Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Chat Markets, your favorite dairy podcast. It is September 2nd, and we're recording this at about 1.15 Central Time, and I only mentioned the date and time because we're going to be talking about something rather time-sensitive here as the deadline approaches to lock in your dairy revenue protection insurance into Q4. Before we get started on that discussion, we do have another fun High Ground Dairy team update that we wanted to share with you. I have Curtis Bosma on here with us today, and actually, we get the most listens on the podcast when he comes on to chat with us about this topic, so clearly many of our listeners find Curtis's DRP wisdom quite interesting, but Curtis, why don't you share the news about the recent life update you have going on over there? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on today, Alyssa. So sort of a big change for not only myself, but I guess for High Ground's business model as well. On the producer side of things is I have moved back to California. So I spent eight years in Chicago um, after college working with the High Ground team. And uh, after you know living downtown and surviving many fun Chicago winters, I decided you know it was kind of time to stop working remotely with dairy producers and really kind of get involved in, you know, the local community and be able to be uh, available for more in-person interactions and things like that. Um, So yeah, it's been kind of a a fun transition to come back to California, now located in Visalia. So pretty close to where I grew up uh, and just kind of operating the uh, producer services from here. Thank you, Curtis. So many exciting updates from the team in 2022 and many more to come in the next few months here. As our listeners and customers are very much aware, there was no shortage of volatility this week in commodity markets. What sorts of market forces have you been monitoring for our producer clients, Curtis? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, there has been a lot of things bouncing around this week. Um, I guess we'll kind of start with some of the more macro things that are taking place because those are sort of the elephant in the room uh, here with regards to everything else that we talk about uh, in markets. Um, The big thing, you know, right now, the U.S. Federal Reserve is trying to throttle inflation with higher interest rates to avoid a recession. Um, So today we actually had not that long ago the uh, jobs report, which actually showed uh, 315,000 jobs were added in August, uh, but employment rate actually rose up to 3.7%, which is the first increase since January. This is mostly due to an increase in the participation rate, which higher participation often spells a decline in wage growth, which should kind of give the Fed the green light to do another 75 basis point rate hike here in the next few weeks. Um, so that'll be definitely something to keep an eye on here. That's something that uh, checking the rate markets today has already been priced in as sort of a, a sure thing here moving forward. And I'm not sure because, you know, another thing that kind of relates to a lot of commodity markets is keeping an eye on that U.S. dollar index, which is lower today. But keep in mind that it's retreating from basically a 20 year high, uh, which kind of adds this you know level of resistance and uh, sort of uncertainty to many commodities that are based in the U.S. dollar. Um, So that's certainly something that we're keeping an eye on here. Uh, And then crude oil futures are pushing higher uh, these last few days with expectations that the OPEC countries are going to discuss some production cuts next week. And as many of you know, crude oil really dictates the market direction for a lot of other commodities. So that's something to certainly be mindful of. 
Um, and then, of course, another big headline that we saw rolling through this week was there's uh, several large Chinese cities that are going into lockdown due to COVID outbreaks and such. So that's you know kind of been a repeat headline, I feel like, where it doesn't sound like new news, but it has been new news with different cities popping up and uh, different uh, sorts of lockdowns kind of flowing through uh, their country, which has had a lot of effects on the supply chain. Shifting kind of back to you know, the dairy markets, it seems like like the class three market here lately has reminded me a lot of those uh, like you know wrestlers that you see on TV that just keep bouncing off the ropes, going back and forth, just gaining momentum, but not really going anywhere. Uh, we've seen Q4 class three futures kind of running between $20 and $21.50 over the past month with no strong sense of direction. Uh, Class four, on the other hand, has seen some decent support over the past few weeks, primarily on the back of the butter market with those tight inventories that you and Lucas have been talking about pretty consistently over the past few weeks. And looking forward, I think there's a few key things to highlight for what we're seeing here in the dairy markets, one being seasonality. Obviously, it's September 2nd, like you mentioned before. Um, This is typically one of the tightest production months um, in the U.S. for milk. It's been a hot one. We've kind of we're talking about that a little bit with the team this week about some of the heat waves that have been reported in the news. And it's uh, it's definitely going to have somewhat of an effect on milk production with that heat. Uh, We're also in kind of the thick of the commercial buying season with most of the commercial buy side setting their budgets for 2023 and kind of looking forward here. Um, So the futures markets do tend to see a little bit of an increased action from the buy side this time of year. Um, So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. And it's, I mean, we've certainly seen some days where it seems like there's a lot of buy side activity and not a lot of uh, sell side liquidity to be matched with it, which kind of causes some violent swings to the upside. Uh, Another thing to be mindful of is just kind of the milk supply potential. I know this is something we've talked about a lot, but it just kind of continues to ring true with these elevated feed costs and tighter margins moving forward for many dairy producers. Um, A lot of producers have been tightening balance sheets by slimming down heifer inventories. Um, Also, when you consider higher interest rates and more expensive building materials, the propensity to expand or build new dairies is pretty low. So with margins looking tighter for these next few quarters, even if they were to open up and margins, you know, let's say the corn market goes way down, the milk market goes way up, the U.S. dairy producers not really in a position to expand like they have been in previous market cycles. Um, So that's definitely going to be somewhat of a limiting factor to milk supply uh, moving forward here. So I know we've we've talked about that pretty extensively, but it just continues to ring true uh, as we're looking into this next year. Yeah, absolutely. So much to watch here. So I appreciate that recap. Let's chat a little bit about the cost of production. This has been a highly contentious topic this year with all the inflationary pressures increasing prices for just about everything for producers. What's been the chatter among high grounds producer clients anyway? Yeah, with moving to California, it's been a lot of fun to have some more of these in-depth conversations about everything that's going on with producers um, in person. And I I will say, I mean, we could have an entire podcast, I feel like, talking about the labor market and talking about the water issues, specifically in the Western U.S. Um, So I'll I'll try to keep it kind of high level. But I think the the big things here, um, specifically in the Western U.S. and the dairies out in this neck of the woods, Um, is forages. Forages have become very expensive. A lot of that's due to 
you know, these increased water regulations and increased water costs that have come with those regulations. Corn silage in California has been reported at, you know, over $100 a ton um, in some instances. Um, and forage availability has become a real concern kind of in the Western U.S. Um, of course, that's very different in, than in the Midwest. I mean, it's, it's a very different business model for California versus uh, everything we see in the, in the Midwest and Northeast. But yeah, that's, that's been something that's been talked about quite a bit. Um, and then also kind of everybody's been keeping an eye on uh, corn yields. So there was earlier this week, a lot of reports from the pro farmer crop tour, um, kind of saying that the Western Corn Belt uh, he had yields that were kind of below where the USDA had been uh, expecting them to be. So we've started to see some you know, support in the corn market over the past few weeks here kind of based on some of those things that we're hearing about potential for not as good of a crop. And that's something that has, you know, created a lot of concern because a lot of dairy producers this year either didn't quite get as much contracted or didn't do any contracting at all on the feed side. And the ones that do have contracts, a lot of those contracts are expiring here soon. Um, So if they had contracts on the first half of this year for everybody looked pretty good because they likely had those contracts on at a lower price point and were able to take advantage of you know, the feed that they did have contracted. Whereas now moving forward, if they are going to be faced with a big step up in their input costs on the feed side, they're definitely going to uh, have to you know, take a look at those margins and reevaluate things because it's not going to be quite as advantageous to them to keep doing things uh, the way they're doing them given all the new, you know, in, increased costs of those things. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned the difference in feed costs between dairies in different regions of the U.S. For the people listening that are a little less familiar with the dynamics of feeding dairy cows, what sorts of uh, differences are there between those different regions? Yeah, absolutely. Great question there. I mean, when you break it down in its simplest format, I always like to think of the rations that we feed dairy cows in the U.S. have three simple components. There's forages, there's energy, and there's protein. Forages in the Western U.S. in a lot of cases come in the form of like either uh, dry hay or a mix of dry hay and corn silage. The energy side, you have like grain corn. And then for protein, um, for the Midwest, in a lot of cases, it's soybean meal um, for, you know, the Pacific Northwest and California and a lot of dairies that is canola meal in some you know, cases, depending on pricing and availability, it can be soybean meal as well. Um, but those are kind of the three main components. But you have to think of logistically, uh, if we're talking about grain corn coming from the Midwest going out to California, there's you know, a lot of dependency on that rail market. And with all the supply chain frustrations that we've had over these past few years coming out of COVID and trying to figure out everything, the basis numbers for grain moving to the Western U.S., have jumped up rather considerably. So that's something now where it used to not be as big of a concern because there was kind of a consistent seasonal trend to how those things played out. Whereas now it's heavily dependent upon price, volatility, and even availability of rail cars and everything like that. So, you know, when we saw the big decline in the corn futures market, um, you would have thought that prices would have decreased for the corn being delivered to dairies. But what happened was because basis is essentially, you know, the market saying where corn wants to go and how much that costs to move it, it 
took the cash price, so essentially the, the basis price for California and other regions in the West and went way up. So, you know, even though we saw that decline in the uh, futures price, the delivered price of corn going to dairies in the Western US really hasn't changed that much over the past few months here. Um, so that's something that has created a bit of a, a difficulty as we've been talking about where people have been trying to take a look at contracting moving forward here. And really prices haven't been moving into a spot where everyone feels comfortable really stepping out and getting a bunch of contracts done. Oh, that was a great explanation. I appreciate that. Um, I'm sure our listeners will as well. So what have dairy producers been doing exactly to navigate this market volatility? And what should they be looking to do as we approach that Q4 deadline? Yeah. 